Thank you, Pastor Frank. It's really good to have you here. Thanks for joining us. We're going to get right into the word. I'd invite you to take a look at 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 13. As we uh, continue, actually conclude our series called Purpose in Christ. And by the way, thank you for joining us. If you've come here uh, and you, the first time you came was our Easter service. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, you not just see the see the story, but to believe in the person of Jesus and then to live that story in your life and give that to others. Some of you are here because someone gave that to you. And uh, it's just an honor to have you here. And as you take your first steps with Jesus, let me just encourage you. Your purpose, your purpose needs to be all about Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. That's what life is all about as a follower of Jesus. It's all about him. Because your purpose is not going to be fulfilling if it's about your position at work. Or if it's about your place in life. Or the property you own. Or the people you know. Even though those things can be band-aids, they do not satisfy the great purpose of your life that Jesus came to satisfy every day of your lives. As his pers- as the person of Jesus and the power of his work moves through you. So uh, Corinth is a church that uh, in, in the first century that really struggled with purpose. And, and, uh, they were, they were persuaded by different false teachers to pursue false doctrines. They were, they were, had a contentious group of people that were always sowing dissension in that church. Some of you may have gone to a church like that, that was always fighting. And so they were fractured in their relationships. And then they just didn't know if they wanted Jesus or not. I mean, they liked getting together as a church, but they didn't know, do I, do I love the world or do I love Jesus? And Paul was there to say, come on back to Jesus. Stop these false doctrines. Stop being fractured in the relationships and stop, stop, you know, participating in foolish behaviors and start following Christ. And this is his final words in his letter to the church in Corinth. And they start in verse eight. Would you read that with me? Second Corinthians chapter 13 Verse 8, it said, examine yourselves to see whether you're in in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you failed to meet the test? I hope you will find out that we have not failed the test, but we pray to God that you may do no wrong, not that we appear to have met this test, but that you may do what is right, though we may seem to have failed. For we cannot do anything against the truth but only for the truth. And for we are glad when we are weak and you are strong. Your restoration is what we pray for. For this reason, I write these things while I am away from you, that when I come, I may not have to be severe in my use of the authority that the Lord has given me for the building up and not for tearing down. Finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You see, this would be Paul's final correspondence before he in the person showed up and wanted to be welcomed back into, into this church. Earlier, he kind of got pushed out because these, these false teachers said, who's Paul? What's Jesus all about? 
they're messing with our Jewish traditions. Jesus always messed with traditions when they weren't centered on the heart for God. And so they pushed him out and he came back and called them back to Christ. He called them back into unity, no longer in disunity. And this is the most important summary. It's kind of a battle cry, a rallying cheer for everything he said and written up to this point. It's kind of centered in verse 11. Look what he says again. Finally, brothers, rejoice, aim for restoration, comfort one another, agree with one another, live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. See, back then, as today, we all long for the God of love and peace to be with us. Everyone I talk to, if they have a belief in God or even a God, love the values of love and peace. The problem is we don't like to follow God to get these things. We just want these things to be in our lives. We don't like truth, and that's why... We are not primarily truth seekers. I know that a lot of us are intellectuals, but we are not primarily truth seekers. You know what we are? Hi, I'm Joe. I'm just going to break it to you. We're fun seekers. We like happiness. And we like happiness over truth. If truth is what we would seek, and that's the priority of our lives, none of us would be overweight. None of us would be. Because we would all realize that Boy, if I'm going to stay at a healthy weight in this diet, I can't eat that much and I won't overeat. And unless something's really messed up in our bodies, I mean, which sometimes it is, but we would all be fit. We would all be in great shape. Why? Because we believe that exercise several times a week is good for your heart. Cardiovascular workout is good for your heart. But why don't... Because... I don't want to get up early in the morning and no one's smiling when they're running. You know, we kind of do that. We make that, make that deal and no one's happy when they're exercising. We would, um, we'd be financially sound if we were truth seekers. Why? Because I don't think there's anyone in this room who would say, don't live on more than you make. Yeah, you, you wouldn't. No, who would, who would say? But yet when we look at the practice, oh, there's a gadget out. There's a gadget in that, wow, it's, it's, it's got a better screen resolution than this thing does. And this is iPad 2, but iPad 3 and 4 and 5 are coming out. And we just pattern our lives around getting that next thing. They're going to cost us in no payments till 2023. And everything, we buy into these things because we like happiness. We don't honor truth. Jesus calls us to truth. He calls us to truth first. The other side of truth is fulfillment. But we cannot have fulfillment with band-aids. His target is our hearts and a total renovation and restoration of our hearts to actually pull, pull you away from the little band-aids or the little addiction to things or money or pride or position in life that we like to just stack up to make ourselves look good. So we've got to be committed to the truth. And Paul is going to show us the truth. And he's going to teach us how to get the, the love and the peace of God. How to experience the love and peace 
of God in our lives. See, if you know Jesus, let me just give you a little secret here. You got him because they're only found in Jesus. But you can't experience it unless you follow Jesus. And so all of us have to follow him. And what God does is because the Holy Spirit is in you, he teaches you how to do this. We'll learn more about this in just a minute. God's going to teach you everything you need. He will provide you if you ask him. Because it's all going to be about him. And that's your purpose, all about Christ. So how do you experience the love and peace of God? Look what Paul says. Verse 11, one of the first words right after finally brothers. And by the way, finally brothers is not just the guys in the room. It's it's everyone, brothers and sisters in Christ. It was a generic term for family. Hey, family. First word, rejoice. Rejoice. That's how you experience the love and peace of God. You rejoice. It means we live with joy, responding to the power of God in your life. That's joy. When you can see the power of God and respond to him, the overflow is joy. Now, last weekend, we had this wonderful experience where we saw these these cardboard testimonies go off of who people were before Jesus. And then when they trusted Jesus, how their lives had been transformed. It's awesome to hear that the 400, over 400 people either first time gave their, their lives to Christ or reconnected to Christ. They were off to the side. They were on the sidelines kind of watching God do something. And now they've committed to get in the game. Over 700 people signed up to get my first 50 days with Jesus. It means they want to start walking with Jesus on a daily basis. See, what do you do when you see the power of God? See, Paul says, rejoice, rejoice. Some of you aren't looking at it. You aren't looking for it. You want to be happy. And, and, God, and, and Paul says, rejoice. Look at the power of God all around you and rejoice. Jesus came to do this. In John 15, 11, he says, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And the full was not just up to the top. Full would be spill over into every area of your lives. That the joy of Jesus would be a theme in our lives. Who do you know that has joy? Who do you know that you see rejoicing? I know David Hinkle. He's a pastor here. If you know David Hinkle, you know joy, right? Because the guy's never down on things. He's never just so negative and he's not always a complaint. You just see that, hey, this is how, literally, hey, that's what he does. Okay, I'm high D. I'm not a high rejoicer. Okay, something like Easter happens. It's like, okay, what do we do next year? Okay, he's like, did you realize over 400 people are reconnected to God? It's awesome. Okay, and my voice goes into puberty when I talk like that. This is reality, folks. Are you looking for the power of God or do you want to be just more comfortable? In a church, are you looking for the power of God? Or are you complaining? See, we're here to rejoice at the work of God in and around us. What do you celebrate? Because the things you celebrate will be your expression of joy. 
I'm a parent to three boys. I've been tempted to celebrate athletics, academics, and attitudes. When my kids do well in school, when they perform well on the track, and when they, when they have a good attitude and they're happy around the house, then I say, I had a good day. And most every parent would. But although those things are good, and I'm not saying your kids ought to flunk and they ought to swear in the house and all those, no, that's not what I'm taught. Where's God in the mix? And where's their heart for God? See, what I celebrate with my kids is the power of God. That's the number one thing I want to celebrate in their lives. Hey, how, how are you and the Lord doing? Not, not shame and guilt, but What's God doing in your life? How did you see God today? What did you see God do in your friends? And how can I be praying for you today and praying for them today? Because you want to rejoice. John writes in 3rd John, I have no greater joy than to see that my children are walking in the truth. And as a pastor, there's no greater joy for me than to see our church and to see you walking in the truth. Rejoice. Choice, Because when you're rejoicing, you'll stop complaining. Complainers don't rejoice. They kill rejoicing. Secondly, restore. Restore. Look at what he says. Aim for restoration. That Greek word, restoration there, is, is uh, putting things back into place the way they once were. So when we're people of restoration, we're people whom God uses to, to restore the image of our creator in us. We're people who have relationships so that, so that you, you put them back into place the way God wants them. We order life and our relationships around God. Corinth is a picture of disarray, of a chaotic church, and Paul was called restored. Put it back into place so that it becomes the bride of Christ again. Restore. Earlier in 2 Corinthians 13, 9, he says, For we're glad when you are weak, and you, uh, for when we are weak and you are strong. Look at this. Your restoration is what we pray for. Paul, pastor's heart right here. I pray for restoration. This world is broken. Churches are broken. Broken in doctrine. Broken in relationships, broken in behaviors. Paul prayed for and longed for restoration in their own lives and restoration back to Christ. He said, I'd, I'd much rather humble myself so that you can get the power of God in you again. This isn't about us. We want you to be strong. And if it requires us to be weak, we'll do it. Boom. What a humble man. See, restoration takes a sacrifice. If you want to be a restorer in this world, it's going to take you sacrifice, sacrificing your ego and your pride and sometimes even your rights so that restoration can happen. Well, it's not fair. No, restoration is never fair. It always costs someone. It costs Jesus his life when he sacrificed for you and me. And it will cost you something to restore. But you get to live Christ. What do you get then? The love and the peace of Christ. See, you and I do not have the capacity for the love of God apart from Jesus. We don't. And neither do we for the peace of God apart from Jesus. 
That's why we have to follow Jesus and be a restorer. Thirdly, we need to reaffirm one another. Look what it says there. Aim for restoration, comfort one another. I know comfort's there in English, but in Greek it means parakale. And if you look at parakale and you look at that word over the New Testament, it's a Greek word. You'll find that parakaleo is someone who comes alongside of you and calls and speaks truth into you, speaks life into you. It was the word of the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, who comes alongside you and is a coach, but is also an empowerer. He's not just someone saying, you can do it. This is what you need to do. And guiding you into truth, he's someone who also empowers you. So the we're to do that. We're to be paracletes to one another. We're to come along and speak life into one another. Come on, guys. Admonish one another. This is what truth is. This is what love is. And when we do that with gentleness and with respect, we can navigate. We can reaffirm the love and peace of God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 7. We looked at this earlier. Verse 4, he says, I'm acting in great boldness toward you. I have great pride in you. Filled with comfort. There's that word, parakale. In our affliction, I am overflowing with joy. Look at the boldness of calling them into obedience. He admonishes them. So when you navigate conflict with someone, as Paul navigated conflict with the church in Corinth, you're there to reaffirm your love. You're not there to vent. You're there to reaffirm love. A love for that person. We're quick to show disappointment and we're slow to show forgiveness. And scripture just flips that. Quick to forgive, slow to be disappointed. Boy, there's so many environments where I'm speaking to myself right now and you just are here for the ride. (laughs) I need to reaffirm because it's so easy just to be annoyed with someone or something. And yet Christians are the first to love. We are. Why? Because Christ first loved us. Christians need to show up first, not last. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. I always get a kick out of it when when churches go down and they say, well, our government needs to take care of more people and our government needs to flow the funds. And they sit back there and they have their meetings and they don't give one penny outside of themselves. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. We're the first to love. We need to be the first to give. The reason we have our government who showed up is because we sat on our posteriors and didn't do a thing. The church needs to be the first to love. We're that person who reaffirms the love of God in a community. And we need to be the last two loves. It means when everyone else gives up, we stay. When everyone stops loving, we keep loving. Why? Because to be honest with you, That's what I know God as in my life. That's who I know Jesus is. He's the one who first loved me and he will be the one who loves me even when everyone else doesn't. All you got is Jesus and he's here to reaffirm. You're called to show that. And when you do, you grow in love and you grow in peace. I know you're saying, boy, it'd be easier, Joe, just to walk away from people who bother me. If that would have been the case, we would have never had 2 Corinthians. Paul would have said, goodbye, I'm out to Macedonia. Like those churches, they greet me so nice when I walk into them. And they pay me a whole lot better. (laughs) 
No, he put the roots down deep because he was more concerned about Jesus and the love and the peace of Jesus in everyone's life. Not just a few, but everyone's. And then we're called to reunite. Look at what Paul says here in that verse 11. He says, agree with one another. In other words, stop it. Stop all your complaining. Agree with one another. He said it earlier in 1 Corinthians when he wrote to them earlier. In verse, in chapter 1, verse 10, look what he says. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree. Come on, guys. Get together. And that there be no divisions among you. But that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Look at that. Agree with one another. Stop your divisions. Stop your little subcultures in the same family. Stop it and agree. Reunite. Corinth, reunite with the love and the peace of Jesus. Whatever it does, reunite. Get back to unity. Because when you live in unity, the Holy Spirit blesses that. And the whole power of the Holy Spirit is to unify us. Think about the greatest threat to the Holy Spirit in our lives is the work of the evil one, Satan. He wants to destroy. He wants to make dissensions. He wants to create disunity. He wants to create discontentment in us. And we're called to unite. Unite under the same person, Jesus, in the same spirit. Saying the same thing. Living the same way. Reunite. Reunite. Now, we try to go here at Fellowship. We try to say the same thing about Jesus as the scriptures teach us. It's not my opinion. It's the word of God. And it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And so we want to say the same things doctrinally of what the truth says about Jesus. Secondly, we want to live the character of Jesus in our words and how we love and respect one another. We don't want to backbite. We don't want to gossip. We don't want to view each other as better or worse. We want to... We want to say that the ground is level at the cross. It is. None of us deserve to be here, but we are because of Jesus and his grace. Because of that, we'll pursue unity and we'll fight for unity. We'll have conversations to reunite. We will. I'm not afraid of conflict anymore. I used to be. I used to be. Really was. Because I love to be liked. And when someone didn't like how I preached or how I, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll change. You know, it's kind of like that. No, no. Or if someone didn't like something about me, I would, man, I'll try to get them to like me. It's like the desperate boyfriend. That's no way to live. It's not. And it's no way to serve the Lord. It's not. And to reunite Get back in. And, and then we're also gonna, we're going to reunite around, around the behaviors of Jesus. His, the way he, he lived. That's what we want to show. So we're people who are pursuing the greatness and the beauty and the holiness of Jesus. Now we're all far from that. I, I'm, I'm far from being exactly like Jesus, but you know what? There are parts of my life that look a whole lot more like Jesus than they used to be. Months. And years and decades ago. Because I'm following someone who's perfect. Christians aren't perfect, but they're following someone who is. So we want to unify around the character and behavior and the words and the life of Jesus. That's what it means to be a disciple, to be a follower of Jesus. 
And then finally, reconcile. Look at his last words there. He says, live in peace. I think it's kind of ironic that he would use peace with Corinth. They weren't a peaceful group, but he said, live in it. Live in peace. Reconcile. I love how Paul in in Romans 12, uh, 18, he says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with everyone. And, And that means that even when someone takes this off, with everyone, even when someone doesn't deserve it, with everyone, as far as it depends on you. I don't, I, I wish scripture, just for my own personal happiness, didn't say as far as it depends on you. Because I always, when someone hurts me, I was like, well, it's up to you then. You better come back and apologize and come, come on, crumb crawling. Yep, there you go. Now I can like you again, you know? And we haven't matured beyond age six when we do that. And so we're called to step up and reconcile. We're to be the people who forgive first, who love first, who reconcile first, not last. That's why we keep short accounts here. If you've hurt me, I'll show up and we'll talk. If I've hurt you, don't don't change your Facebook status and let everybody know how I've hurt you and speaking in the third person about me. No, come and talk to me. Come and talk to me. It's a whole lot healthier to be a reconciler. I'll understand you more and you'll understand me more when we reconcile together rather than you just throwing a rock. We'll all grow. And guess what we'll, we'll experience? The love and peace of Jesus. See, this isn't rocket science. And if we pursue truth, they're ours to experience and to run with great joy. Now, these are Paul's... Uh, by the way, who hates peace? Satan? I know you had a political figure you were going to put out there. That's not what we're talking about. <laughs> Satan hates peace. He does. And so he wants to destroy the peace that is ours in Christ. He's the father of lies, the accuser of the brothers. He creates dissension. And he's at work. Inside... And outside of the church. We like to think we're safe in here. But you know what? I've gone to church my whole life. And sometimes the church doesn't look too different than the world. So we're called to be on our guard there. God will crush him. Romans 16, 20. One of my favorite verses. It says the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Isn't that a great one? But then Paul, it's almost as if his voice inflection changes. He goes, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. (laughs) And one second he's saying, crush Satan. And the other one's, and God's grace will be with you. Okay. But you know what? God will crush Satan. You can't crush him right now. God will do it. But you can trip him up when you commit to peace. You can stop his work when you commit to being a person who reconciles. And lives at peace as far as it depends on you with everyone. So let me just ask you as we close. What kind of legacy have you had with these five practices? Of rejoicing, of restoring, of reaffirming, of reuniting and reconciling. And let me ask, when when I talk about legacy, who could benefit from your life if you pursued it like this? If you pursued obedience and following Jesus with these values that Paul called the church in Corinth with, who could benefit? And the answer is 
everyone who you meet tonight and in the future will benefit when you commit to these. Because God says, see this person? They rejoice. Love and peace. See this person? They restore. This person's putting things back into their God-ordained, created order. Love and peace. Here's a person who's coming alongside and speaking the truth in love. They reaffirm love and peace. Everyone, including you, will benefit. Paul's last words are, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. You get all of God. That's the Trinity last time I counted. Okay? The grace of our Lord Jesus, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship, the koinonia, the family fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Be with. Guaranteed his presence with us. When we walk in obedience to these principles. Yeah. Everyone in here wants the love and peace of God in their lives. You may be seeking band-aids. You may not be seeking Christ for them, but you want love and peace. Only in Jesus are they found. All of us want to be happy, but it comes to a point where we have to see the truth. The other side of the truth is that when we follow Jesus in these principles, we get more of him. God only gives you what you ask for. If you want more of your life, God will give you more of your life. You want more of him, he'll give you more of him. Ask him. And may the God of peace be with you as he pours his love with you, in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and peace that is ours when we follow you. Thank you so much for this truth. And uh, it counters so much of life that's wrapped all around us and life all about us. And so our life purpose needs to be about you. And when it's all about you, you begin to bless. Lord, I pray for each person here. May we be men and women long to experience your love and peace and have the courage to follow you and be led by your Holy Spirit. For it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen.